One of my favorite features when reading the news on, online is that little link which says, The Day in Pictures. Uh, as you go through all the day in pictures, all the news seems to come alive and you see aspects of the day, usually about 20 photographs from around the world just depicting life in all its ugliness and also all its beautiness. And in a real sense, the Apostle Paul is showing us a day in his life using word pictures in the scripture we read this morning. And maybe he is picturing one of his hardest days, maybe a day in prison, maybe a day when life was particularly ugly and cruel. And if that's so, and I'm choosing to depict it in that way, then as we look at a day in the life of the Apostle Paul, he is showing us a series of contrasts in the way that we can react to the day's activities and circumstances and events. In my own self, I'm a caterpillar, I'm earthbound, I'm spun in a cocoon of my own ego, uh, and God has in mind that I should break free of that and not be glued to a branch in a gloomy forest, but rather be set free to fly the currents of his majesty and grace. So here we go. The first person that Paul meets in his prison is the sergeant who comes at 4.30 to rattle the bars and wake them all up and uh, get the prison moving. And we might call him Sergeant Vindictive, the jailer. And the Amplified Version of the Bible says this is those who persecute you, who are cruel in, your attitude to, in their attitude towards you. So in your day, populate your day with people like that, because I'm sure you have them. And what is the caterpillar's reaction? Well, the caterpillar says, mutter, 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 curse, curse, curse. And the same to you, you say. And uh, some really rude gestures may accompany that. But the Apostle Paul says, no, the caterpillar can emerge from the cocoon of ego and instead he can bless them. He can uh, pray for them and show them interest and seek to understand them. Understand, these are also people made in God's image. And perhaps the most powerful example that I can think of that, other than the Apostle Paul, is Nelson Mandela, who in his 28 years in prison befriended one of his jailers, and the jailer became his best friend in some senses. Not Nelson's best friend, but the jailer had no better friend than Nelson because he asked about the children, prayed for them, entered into the life of the jailer and uh, ultimately Nelson's jailer was invited as part of the inner circle to the inauguration uh, to the presidency and they remain, as far as I know, in good friendly contact. And then there's uh, Happy Chappy Cheery Charlie. You know, these are these irritating people who are always... Uh, sort of superficially happy. This is the guy who insists on riding his bike abreast of his partner on the narrowest of Kirkwood streets. <laughs> and he does it with his big smile on his dial. 
Uh, there was one this morning when I came to church, and the caterpillar in me was irritated to heck. You know, what's the matter with you? Um, and he's really disinterested in safety because if another car's coming on and has to swerve out to avoid him, I could have a head-on crash. He's putting himself in danger. What an idiot. And I was very irritated. And I feel that this guy is out of touch with reality. The elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. And of course, um, you feel convicted immediately. And uh, this is how we should deal with happy, chappy, cheery Charlie. Why don't you laugh with him? Why don't you enjoy his freedom? Why don't you enjoy his happiness and take things a bit less seriously myself? And then just think of how judgmental I have just been as the caterpillar, uh, judging this man's cheerfulness and saying the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top just because he makes a point of living, actually, from the viewpoint of the top floor, I despise him. So the butterfly then learns to laugh with those who are laughing. And then in the prison cell, there's Mr. Gloomy Doomy, also known as Tombstone Tony. And he lives in the basement, literally. He never gets out of the basement. And there's coal dust and everything flying around there. And you can never get him to say or, or feel a cheerful thing ever. And he will not smile. And everything is like a cloud that he spreads around. And you try to avoid it. And the caterpillar says, come on, man, get over it. We're in prison Let's just make the best of it. And enough already. I don't want to hear more of your griping. Get a life. And the basement wants to avoid him. And the Apostle Paul says, you can be free of that reaction if you will weep with those who are weeping. Share his grief. Enter into his pain. Share his tears with him. Because you have a ministry and a role to play in his life. And then the apostle looks around and here are all these fellow prisoners. Some of them are the poorest of the poor. Some of them have got uh, ragged clothes on. Uh, some of them speak with atrocious accents and have got no grammar. And there are others who are actually very smelly and they are vindictive and a jostling crowd of fellow prisoners. And here's what the caterpillar does. He withdraws and he acts the snob. You guys are all beneath me, he will say. Ignore the nobodies. You've got nothing to offer me and you're just a nobody. And those who are nasty to you give as good as you get and say, I'm going to get even with you and find ways to do it. So your daily environment populated with the people that you rub shoulders with and you will find these very same things are issues that you have to deal with. And here's what the apostle says. He says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. And that means snobbish or this high-minded, snooty, exclusive person. 
But he says, readily adjust yourself to people and circumstances and give yourselves to humble tasks. How can I serve these nobodies? Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. Repay no one evil for evil. Take thought for what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach as you live your day, and all this in the sight of everyone. If possible, do whatever it takes to be at peace with everybody. And then there's Henry the enemy. Henry the enemy. Here's the person who has done you great harm. Maybe the prosecuting attorney walked into the prison and the apostle can say, he's the one, I'm here specifically because of him. I'm totally innocent and I am suffering, chained to a God, and I'm in prison because of this man. He is my enemy. I want justice and justice is never done. And if I got anything to do with it, I'm going to do something to bring about a satisfaction for my sense of harm. So you look for ways to get even and you carry this resentment like a chain around your neck, longing for bad things to happen to them. If you could, you'd set them on fire and their house. And the apostle says, Beloved, Never avenge yourself. Don't even have the desire for it. Leave the way open for God. He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay and requite, says the Lord. And so instead of setting their property on fire, on the contrary, he says, if your enemy is hungry and you've got a special food parcel, give them some of your food. And if he's thirsty and you've got a mug of water, offer it to him. In doing this, he says, you will heap burning coals on his head. uh, And you will not be overcome by evil, but you will overcome evil with good. Uh, This burning coals on the head, nobody seems to know exactly what it means. It comes from the Old Testament, from the Proverbs, and it doesn't help there either. So this phrase the Apostle Paul throws out, it seems to mean, uh, it seems to come out of the culture where in the morning in the villages and towns where you needed a fire to start the breakfast for the day's nourishment and your fire has gone out, a kindly neighbor would take a glowing coals and put them on a great um, potter plate and carry the coals on his head around the neighborhood so that neighbors could start their fire. Over just doing something very gracious and kind to help people start their day. Now there's so much required of us here that I'm quite sure that you look at this list of things and say, shucks, I'm the caterpillar in all of this. And uh, yeah, this is requiring me to really listen to people, to be present for them, to enter into their joy and sorrow, to forgive and 
actually go beyond forgiving my enemy, doing something good for him? How, how can I be present for everyone? And so you may go about it in this way and draw up a matrix and there you've got all the elements of what the apostle is talking about and then rate yourself on a scale of minus five to five and it may end up looking like this. Uh, this is probably mine. Is I don't curse very much but inside my head more than you imagine. I bless quite a lot, but not as much as I could. I think I'm usually rejoicing. I'm one of those happy, chappy Charlie guys that irritate you. Um, I do mourn with people, but I'm not so good on the harmony side. And here, man, there's somebody that I really want revenge on. If you've got a phone number from somebody who will do a kneecap job, I'm in the market. So I repay evil uh, with evil, but, and so repaying evil with good, I'm not very good. And this heaping fire on people's heads, well, uh, I, I'm pretty bad on that. So now what I could do is say, this matrix is going to inform me, and uh, I'm going to say, those are the places I improve. I'm a member of various small groups. I'm going to say to the small groups, please hold me accountable. Or I'm going to find a good friend and say, I'll be accountable to you. And uh, the first week he'll come back and say, how's that revenge that you want doing? And I'll say, man, I'm still working on it. I thought I'd made some progress, but I've slipped back and I'm actually uh, two, two uh, stages worse than I was. The next week he asks again, and now I'm showing a bit of irritation. You know, why don't you just shut up? Uh, it's got nothing to do with you, even though I invited him to be part of it. So he gets, I get irritated, he understands, he, he stops asking, and the whole process stops. Come on, you know I'm t telling you the truth. You've done this. Well... What is the apostle doing? What does this matrix do? Is he simply replacing the Ten Commandments with a new sophisticated legalism? Because that's what the matrix is. It's me doing stuff to improve myself. Is it the, the gospel simply saying... Do your best and improve a little bit in all these categories where you are not very good. I'm reminded of the story of a man convicted of some terrible crimes and the judge gave him 99 years plus three life sentences. And when he was asked if he had anything to say, he said, Your Honor, uh, I don't think I'll be able to fulfill my obligation. <laughs> and the judge said, that's okay, just do your best. <laughs> Is the gospel God saying, do your best? Come on. You see, when we're just doing our best and using the matrix, there'll be some external change. So in order to satisfy my accountability partner and move myself up on the matrix, I will be cheerful and nice to someone that I've been nasty and mean to, but it'll still be with the heart of a caterpillar. 
So it will be superficial and artificial and really fake and phony and you can write hypocrisy across it. And it will, it will be temporary, most likely. So the apostle, and this is very important to understand, is placing this within the context of the gospel. And our, one of the side instructions that are coming to us is that we should never read any scripture out of context. Because you'll end up with a matrix where you're not meant to have a matrix. And the apostle is therefore casting this in the light of the entire book of Romans and more particularly in the light of verse 1 where he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, which is the caterpillar, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And it will be good and pleasing. And it will tend towards you improving in the light of his perfection. Or to put that differently, you're going to grow. And you're going to experience the freedom of the butterfly through the process of grace, not through the matrix. And so the context is the gospel, and it's all based on the altar. And altar is just another metaphor for the cross, the cross is an altar, really. It's the place where Christ sacrificed himself. And this is where God meets us. He doesn't meet us in the matrix. He meets us at the cross. And when we first met him at the cross and experienced justification by faith, experienced the judge saying, you are acquitted, you are not guilty, your matrix is terrible. You minus five on all these categories, but I'll meet you at the cross anyway. And he declared there on the strength of the matrix of Jesus Christ that you have the doing of Jesus as the basis of judgment. He said, not guilty. And out of that came a sense of peace. This is in Romans chapter 5. Chapter 4 says, Jesus our Lord was delivered over to death for your sins, raised to life for your acquittal. Therefore, you have peace. You have access. You have hope. Your life is a life of significance based not on your matrix but on your fellowship with God. And all of this is not a, a mirage but the Holy Spirit pours this out in a flood of God's love. So you may recall times maybe when you first came to Christ and other isolated moments when you've experienced that to the fullest, fullest degree. 
granted, declared. The judge declared that about you. It's not what God did for you or to you. It's what the judge declared about you. Those are your rights and privileges as a Christian believer. You can't, you can't find peace on your own. These are not egging you on saying, find peace, do something to experience peace. It's inviting you to go to the cross and say thank you. You give me peace. Thank you. I have access because of you, Lord Jesus, on this cross. And so we experience that and know it. But then you see, life goes on. And the day after my conversion, the next day I entered into an experience of turmoil and doubt about what I had done in giving myself to Christ. And then there developed a sense of being distant from God and a sense at times in my life of hopelessness. And far from significance, I've often felt that my work is totally meaningless. And so uh, instead of love, there's been this ugly caterpillar in his ugly existence glued to a branch in the gloomy forest. And we enter into this bewildering world of contradiction where we should be having peace and access, but there's turmoil and distance and the ugliness of the fallen world robs us of all peace. And that results, if you use the matrix in the gospel of Grin and Barrett, well, that's all you can expect. Or the gospel of, grit your teeth, I'm going to see this through to the resurrection. That's when we use the matrix. Well, we know that is wrong because the Apostle Paul has spent endless verses in the book of Romans saying that the matrix, the new way of the law, cannot take the place of the old way of the law because he demolished any basis of standing with God based on the law. And he said over and over, you are not under law, you are under grace. And therefore the gospel of grin and bear it and the gospel of grit your teeth is just pure nonsense from the perspective of the entire book. Aren't you relieved? Shucks, thank you God. I don't just have to grin and bear it and grit my teeth and see the days through. And the apostle Paul got sucked into the gospel of grit and grin. He says so in Romans chapter 7. He says, there was once when I was this wretched man, and it was when I approached God on the basis of law. Then it was that I said, who will deliver me? Because the good things I want to do, I'm not doing, and the evil things I shouldn't be doing, I find myself doing them. Must I just grit my teeth and hope for the best? And so here, as you live your life, you leave that behind at the cross. And this may be your daily experience right now. It's turmoil and ugliness. And this is what God says, hey, I'll meet you at the cross. Bring your turmoil and ugliness. Bring it to the cross. That's where I meet sinners. 
It's the only place that God's going to meet you, quite honestly. If you thought God's going to meet you out in the woods or on the beach or something like that, that's all an illusion. He meets you at the cross. And when you come to the cross, you realize, oh, the matrix was useful. It was telling me that I need the cross. So thank you, God. Here I am. And what do I find at the cross? I find a Savior. So God is beckoning you through the matrix to the cross. And what happens at the cross? Well, at the cross you experience God's peace. Because again you understand, oh, of course the judge has acquitted me. That's right. Thank you, I I have the peace. And at the cross you realize, oh my goodness, this is the place of access. Here is where I meet God. (laughs) Gee, this is fantastic. And my life, which was hopeless, all of a sudden at the cross it's filled with God's hope and God's significance. And the Holy Spirit just floods you at the cross saying, look, look how much God loved you. Christ died for sinners. And the matrix has told you you're a sinner. So this yearning father embraces you with deep emotion at the cross. Oh, I ask the Holy Spirit to let you feel the depth of the father's emotion at this point in the sermon. Remember when the prodigal son came home, the father was scanning the horizon. Where's my boy? Where's my boy? There's a dot. Could that be him? Yes, it's him. And he ran. And the son simply bowed his head and said, I'm not worthy to be called your child. And the father said, come here, you you beautiful boy. And he wept. That's the emotion at the cross. So reading verse 1 again in the translation called the message, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. That would be at the cross. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. The best thing you can do is embrace what He has done for you. So you see, the matrix is a byproduct. It flows out of embracing what God has done for you. Now the caterpillar begins to emerge from his cocoon of egoism. He realizes he is missing his full potential. And now the change is going to be very different. So he goes on, instead fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. 
readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. And unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity or bestiality, you know, the caterpillar in the prison, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity or butterfly wings in you. So your goal is friendship with God, not becoming a butterfly. And when you devote yourself to friendship with God, the byproduct is things happen that are in the character of a butterfly. So the change then is not energized by obedience alone. It is fueled by obedience flowing from love. Therefore, love's response is not ten new commandments, but it is going to the cross, understanding the gospel and the love of Christ. Now the change is internal. I'm not focusing on not having revenge on my enemy. I'm focused on God and what do I find? At the cross, the forgiving grace of God flows through me and I can let go of my desire for vengeance. And the change is very real then because it's from the inside. It's not this artificial put-on behavior and it's potentially permanent. And I say potentially because... Uh, in the words of my physical therapist, muscles have memory. So the first day that the therapist came round to our house after my surgery, she had me stand up out of the bed and she said, listen here, muscles have memory and you're standing like an old man with a cramped hip and you haven't got it anymore, so stand up straight and walk like a young man. And so I did. But my muscles were telling me I'm still the old cramped guy. And I'm not, so stop it. (laughs) And your spiritual and emotional self has got memory. And so you tend to go back to behaving like the caterpillar. And when you go to the cross, God says, stop it, man. You've got peace now. You don't have to work for it or earn it somewhere. Here it is. I declare it. You are at peace. And so on and so forth. So as long as we keep practicing the dynamic, there will be changes in us. And every now and then the caterpillar still manifests, but he knows, hey, this isn't the best thing for me. And if you will make it your practice to go to the cross you will find the butterfly emerging. So here's an example from my own life in closing. Uh, I had surgery the Monday, Monday night. I'm in bed in critical care. And I'm aware throughout the night that the lights go on in the bathroom and there's a a glim glow in the room and the nurse comes in and he checks my vital signs on the machines and adjusts all the drips and stuff. And if he knows I'm awake, he says, how are you doing? Can I get anything for you? How's your pain level? And this is going on every 20 or 30 minutes, I think, through the night. And at 3 a.m., the door smashes open. Wham! Crash! And the lights flare on. And this cheerful voice shouts, Honey, i got to get some blood. 
<laughs> and the caterpillar was startled, of course, and the caterpillar said something snide and mean. And, uh, do you have to sort of uh, wake the dead in order to get blood? And uh, you've really startled me, and I'm sure my blood pressure's up, and I don't know what else I said to her. And Shando says, that's why she missed your vein. <laughs> So she poked around and didn't get my vein and she's got this capsule in my arm and it's not filling with blood. And you know what happened to me? It was, it was one of these moments where I thought, do I really want to convey to her that I'm a grouchy, cranky old, you know the word I want to use. <laughs> maybe, maybe nurses do have a little black book where they write down the guy in 754 Stick it to him, he's lousy. <laughs> so I, I said to her, hey, I'm sorry. Um, there was a very bad reaction. Um, I was startled, and it's not an excuse, but uh, I'm sorry about that. And so I tried to converse with her. I said, um, have you got any idea where your roots in Africa are? And she said, oh, my grandparents came from Tennessee. So I said, oh, I've just become very interested in my own roots. You know, I was born in Africa, so I'm a fellow African-American. And she had a little laugh at that. And then she said, um, I'll be back at 4 a.m. Apparently they're not allowed to prick you twice. The nurse told me that. Uh, so she had to come back to prick me another time. She said, I'll be back at 4 a.m. And out she went. And uh, she came back at 530 she says, honey, I gave you an extra hour and a half to sleep. <laughs> and then she says, hardly containing her excitement, she's got a fellow African-American nurse there with her, and she says, tell her, tell her, tell her where you was born. <laughs> so I said, I was born in Africa. And you would have thought that they'd won the lottery. Yoo-hoo, they said, and they danced the dance. <laughs> I told you, she says, I told you, I told you. And you see, the situation became a butterfly situation because the caterpillar went to the cross. And that's the dynamic. So now, populate your day. Think of your worst day ever and your reaction to people in your worst moments. And think of the most terrible situation you, you've ever been in, which is probably uh, one of injustice and that you want vengeance. And come, let's go to the cross together. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we bring you our caterpillar selves. And we thank you so much that the gospel is not just the gospel of self-improvement, where we are thinking of ways to grin and bear it and do a little better and do our best. But it's the way of the cross where we experience fellowship with God and then go back to our turmoil with a different attitude and knowing the peace of God that passes all understanding. So we are those who are very grateful for your love and mercy and grace and that we experience them in Christ at the cross. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every blessing in Christ. Thank you in his name. Amen.